I know last week was the first, and uh, so I know Joe wished you a happy new year, but I wasn't here, and so I didn't get to do that, so happy new year. Uh, Happy new year. It is 2023, but believe it or not, we still have some things left over from 2022, and we had some members who went through the class, and they completed, and then we were just waiting to present them with their membership certificate. But they got sick. Can you imagine that, getting sick? And they've had a long battle with that. And, but they're here this morning, and so we want to recognize them. John and Renee, if you would, um, we have your certificate of membership. Renee, we're really happy about John. The jury is still out. <laughs> Just kidding. If you know John at all, you know that that's well-deserved. And he would do the same if he could. Great couple. Get to know them and welcome them into membership at Pointway. Thank you, John. And no, I'm not going to give him a mic because right now I'm sure I'll be in big trouble. So, great couple. And so that's uh, part of 2022 and getting into 2023. Oh, it's good to be back. It's good to be home. And so, and as I mentioned, um, you know, my, Joe asked how our first week in 2023 was, and, and I said lousy, and thank you for getting better, though. It's getting better, and it's a new week, but uh, it was a tough start. Thank you for allowing PJ and I to spend an extra day in uh, New England. We actually had to travel back to Rhode Island for PJ and my nephew's uh, funeral, so thank you for that. <clears throat> the voice is still hanging in. We're good, so... Um, with that, my grandson also gave me his flu, and so I carried that back with me, and so I'm still working through that part as well. You probably heard Ezra cry there in a little bit. He's, he's upset that he hasn't been able to see Appa yet, so uh, Alex got one up on him. So, But <clears throat> Nini's taking full advantage of the situation, so she's, uh, she's making up for both of us. So, But it is good to be here. Well... Coming up with a message for 2023, originally I was going to jump into a series, and for you that like series, don't worry, I have not forgotten. We are actually going to start a series. It won't be next week. We have a missionary with us. Rick and Kirsten are coming up from the cities, Rick Wallace, and he'll be sharing and giving the word next week. But the week after that, as promised, we are going to work through 1 Samuel, or an overview of the life of Samuel. We won't be going every chapter, because there's some chapters that are are rather long, but we're going to work through that um, into probably early spring. I think maybe spring, maybe I'll be done before that, because spring is kind of an unknown thing whenever that comes here in Minnesota. Uh, Believe it or not, I left 61 degrees in Rhode Island, and there were three golf courses open. I did not hit any of them. Um, It was, was kind of a busy trip, and weren't able to do that, but um, we were rudely awakened when we flew into a snowstorm coming back here. So, um, that being said, we'll be working on for Samuel. So, I had to come up with a message for today. It's kind of a, a standalone, and um, as you know, I'm sick, so it's a little hard to to work through. And and so, I what I typically do when I'm short of time or struggling a little bit is I'll I'll take a message that I had preached some years ago. And just for a quick show of hands, how many were here in 2020? All right, not quite half. All right, um, huh? No, some of you, all right. 
All right, put your hand up. Everyone that was here in 2020. All right. Were you here every Sunday in 2020? All right. All right. How many of you that had your hand up remember what you had for lunch on Wednesday? Okay. All right. I should be safe then. All right. I should be safe. If you remember this message, it's okay. Because it's one of those messages I think we need to do once in a while to remind ourselves. And coming off the week that I've had, it was it's kind of one of those ones, oh yeah, I probably need that reminder. Does, does anyone get discouraged? Right? And again, if you look at discouragement, discouragement is just is not far away from its brother, I call it, its bad brother, depression. Right? They, they tend to, you get discouraged and then it, it goes on for a while and then all of a sudden you're into depression. And again, I'm not a psychologist. There's different levels of depression. People get depressed, and that's okay. That is normal. It is part of life. It's been in the, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And guess what? It affects all people. Believers, non-believers. It affects people that God uses. We see that in the Bible. I could have picked any one of the kings I could have picked any one of the prophets. Ernie, you're doing Jeremiah. Does Jeremiah get depressed at all? A little bit. Yeah, so much that he writes the book of Lamentations. I mean, whew. That would be a good place to preach one out just on that alone. But again, it's lamenting from God's judgment and what's to come. Those people haven't turned. But jump forward to the New Testament. Did the disciples struggle with depression? Yeah, we can see it over and over again. It doesn't change. We all get discouraged from time to time, and we all get and fall and can fall into depression. So with the whole Bible to pick from, I went Old Testament, and with any number of characters I could have picked from, I went with one of my favorites. Just straight up tell you, I know pastors aren't supposed to have favorites, but I, I have one, Elijah. Elijah is one of my favorite prophets. He's one of, one of those guys in the Bible that when I read the story of him, you watch this man who's not nothing special in and of himself, but he struggles. He struggles. He wants to be used by God, but he struggles in that. And even when he sees God working, he still has times of doubt. He has times of struggle. He has times of frustration. And one thing you need to know, prophets had a real and serious purpose in that day. Especially prophets that God called in the Old Testament to go and speak to the nation of Israel. And that's where Elijah finds himself. And guess what? Prophets didn't bring good news. Right? It could be good news if they listened, but very seldom did they listen. But it was usually to the hearers bad news because it was going to cause them to have to repent and turn from their ways. And by the time Elijah comes on the scene and becomes a prophet, things are pretty bad. Things are really bad in the nation of Israel. Again, primarily the, the kingdoms have been split, just so you know the time frame. And again, the, 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 the greater part is in the north. Right? There's ten tribes up there. There's two in the south. And Elijah is sent to try to straighten out this king. And they've had a series of bad kings, a series of bad leaders. And things have spiraled down. Almost each king has gotten worse. 
They've gotten worse in their way that they're dealing with the people. They've gotten worse in the way that they're dealing with their spirituality, most and foremost. They've gotten further and further away. And the king that Elijah has to really confront is King Ahab. And I always kind of joke, but King Ahab, I always put a little A because he's a little king. Anyone know his wife, who his wife is? Oh, some of you guys. Wow, that's good, right? Jezebel. That's not a name that anyone names their baby girls, right? No, right? <laughs> the, what? A goat? If you don't like the goat, yeah, no, right? It's not, a good, yeah, it's not a good name, right? But it's not a good name because of who it represents, Jezebel is just absolutely horrible. She is a key part in leading the nation of Israel into Baal worship, right? And again, idol worship is bad. Like I said, these kings kept moving. They're, they're, it's bad in and of itself. But to continue on and then to actually bring in Baal worship, the Canaanite god, the false god, and set up shrines and temples for them to, to worship there is horrific. It's an abomination to God at that point. And so God sends Elijah, man after him, he sends him to try to turn the nation around. Meanwhile, while he's also sent the prophet, he's also brought some hard times. He's going to squeeze him a little bit. He also has a drought going on at the same time, which is causing a famine, it's causing things to resources to shrink up a little bit. Right? It's part of his judgment. He's, he's giving them warning. He's giving them ample time saying, hey, if you don't turn around, there's going to be a punishment coming. I'm not going to stand for this. And so that's the backdrop to this. And I'm going to give you a little bit more backdrop because I want to bring in Elijah from a high point to a low point. So I know I have, yes, the guys have chapter 19 up there. But I want to back into 18 a little bit. And if you have your Bibles, you can read it. If not, I'm going to, you can follow along. I'm just going to narrate it a little bit for the sake of time this morning. And so I'm going to do it that way. But as Elijah has gone to King Ahab, little A, and said, hey, you need to turn around. We, you need to stop following after this false god. Again, Constantly being overruled by his wife, Jezebel, who, by the way, later on goes to the dogs. Literally, man, a couple, couple of you know, a couple of you need to do some reading this week, all right? Challenge just thrown down, all right? If you don't know that joke, then you need to read a little bit this week. You got some, some reading to do. You got homework to do, all right? You'll be in First Kings for a little while. It's later on in the story, just so you know. Actually, you're going to jump into 2 Kings, but all right, you're forewarned. There's homework. But King Ahab and, and, and Elijah says, hey, meet me on the mountain. We need, we, all right, wait a minute, I just realized I'm back in Minnesota. A mountain is one of those things that has a hill, it's up uh, the elevation, you go up a little ways, right? It's not, it's not on a flat ground, it's meeting at a place. Amy, I love that song, Go Tell It on the Mountain, but how do you do that here? No. 
<laughs> a steeple? Yeah. Ski-gall. Oh, ski golf. That's still not a mountain. Come on now. I was just in the mountains back east, so I didn't get to the White Mountains or the Green Mountains, but I saw plenty of mountains. Sorry. I just, I'm back, and I'm back from back east, so you know it's going to be hard for a little bit. But anyways, he says go to the mountain, right? This mountain's about 12 miles up. It's a place, probably a place of worship. It's a center point. It's also very near the border. And so the people around them would know of it. They would hear about it across the border. Some of those very people that Israel was supposed to be reaching, but wasn't. And so Elijah says, let's have a, let's have a showdown between your God and my God. Whoop. That wasn't for effect. That's just my clumsiness. But it would have worked. Again, and I want to make this clear. It's a showdown between Baal and the real true God. Yes, Elijah is being used. In fact, Baal has not only 450 prophets, it also had 400 priests. If I didn't mix my numbers up, pretty sure I have that right. But either number, there's still a lot of them. So comparison, it's not a, it's not a battle of prophets but it's the battle of gods. And so they go up on the mountain, they gather the people to watch, right? They need witnesses. And again, this is a, a day excursion, so they're all up there on the, the day. It's early in the morning, and they have, it says, you go first. You get first crack at it. You get to prove yourself first, Baal. And so he has them build an altar, right? I mean, that's up to them. They build their own altar. They, they get it all set, and they start crying out to Baal. And again, the, the, the purpose is just to call down fire. Call down fire on the altar. That's all you got to do, right? Baal's the god of thunder. He should be able to do that. You're on a mountaintop. You're actually closer. Should be able to make that happen, right? Right? If you're, you're the god, you should be able to make that happen. And so Elijah lets him go ahead first. And so they do. And guess what? As time goes on, it's not happening. So they start dancing around it. They start carrying on more and more and more. They, they ramp up their emotions and their fervor, but nothing's happened. Interesting here, and, and I, I kind of get a kick out of this from Elijah's standpoint. Maybe that's why he's one of my favorites, but he starts giving them a little bit of a, a nudge. He's needling them a little bit. He kind of jostles with them, right? Hey, maybe he's far away. Maybe he's not around. Actually, most translations say it's actually kind of even more funny. Some of the original transcripts, they, they kind of talk about more about, hey, maybe he's off taking, he's relieving himself. I clean that up a lot for the Sunday morning. But that's really what, it, it's, it's not, not like he's not there, but he's not, he's actually, you know, maybe he's just in the bathroom. You can't hear you. I mean, Elijah's really pouring it on. He's, he's giving, like, he's trying to help them a little bit here. Right? He's stirring the pot. Kind of get the rivalry going a little bit. Still they go on a little bit more. Nothing's happened. They start cutting themselves. And again, it starts to, 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 to they're trying harder and harder. Because again, this is a battle of the gods. And again, they know the consequence, right? There's, there's, they're, they're actually they're putting their lives at risk here. Because if you've proven to be a false prophet, it was the same in both cultures. It was death. 
So now it's starting to get serious. This is not looking good. You don't want to leave that fate into someone else's hand. And so they pick up the pace, and Elijah keeps edging them on a little bit more. Now, maybe he's just away. Maybe he can't hear you. Maybe you need to be a little bit louder. And so they, again, try to conjure it up. And guess what? Nothing happens. Nothing happens. It's new now. It's, it's beyond the point of, and, and again, they're probably exhausted. They're wiped out. It's not happening. And so Elijah says, all right, my turn. It's my turn to show my God. And so he builds an altar, and he takes 12 stones. Hmm, 12, what an interesting number, right? No. Again, he's a prophet. He's, he's from God. He, it, everything has meaning to it. And so he grabs 12 stones. Also, interesting, he didn't grab just 10, right? Again, most scholars believe the kingdoms never should have been split. They should have stayed united, and again, there's no reason that it should have been. Solomon's two sons went north and south. But he takes 12 stones, right? Uh, the symbolism of, of the tribes staying together and the, the wholeness of the altar, right? And he places them around, and then he instructs them to, to dig a trench around the outside. And then he gets some wood, sacrifices the bull, and he says, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. And again, this is the Charlie version. That's why I don't know how much scripture up here. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling this all together. And so if I take some liberties, forgive me. But hopefully it helps out with the story. Maybe I hung around the Irish too much. I got the storytelling in me this week. So, But check it out. He says, go get me some water. Right? Ah, but wait a minute. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure, but... If I'm trying to get a fire, the last thing I want is water. Water and fire don't mix. I, 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 there you go. Tip for the day. That one's free. Bonus. And if you want wood to start the fire, you don't want wet wood. Right? Is that right, Josh? Here. Yeah, okay, good. There's more than one wood booger here, I know. So anyways, he douses not once, not twice, but three times. In fact, he, the reason he built the, the trench around was so that the, 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 the catchings and the, the runoff of the, the third time would actually run in, and it actually started filling the trough around it. And so it's soaked. And now it's about 3 o'clock. Estimated. The hour of prayer. Most scholars believe. And so Elijah prays to God once, and God answers. <clears throat> he answers, and he sends down fire, and not just a little fire, a lot of fire. And it burns up the, the offering, it burns up the wood, singes the stones, it, it takes care of all the water. It just, it, it's not even close. God wins. Next step. Proven. False prophets, right? They kill off the 450 prophets. Right? Things should be good, right? Things are great now. Israel's going to turn around. they, they, they got to believe. They've just seen this miracle. Right? The king is there. He's witnessed it. Right? Things should be, be set. Elijah should go, yes, mission accomplished. 
Not quite. Remember I said, king with a little A. Meanwhile, queen's back at the palace and she goes, I'm going to kill you. I don't care, Elijah. And that's where we pick up the story. And, and now we, we pick it up in chapter 19, verse 1. And so back to our scripture. And again, that was a lot to bring you up. But Elijah's on this high, and now he's going to go pretty low. And you're going to be able to watch him kind of drop down through the ceiling here. Chapter 19, verse 1 says, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent the messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. All right? Basically says, I, I got a contract out you, and I'm going to make sure you're dead. I'm coming after you. And I'm, I'm throwing everything I got. That's what she's saying. She's, she's throwing it down. She's, she's had it. She's not going to put up with this prophet. Mainly because she knows if this could happen in front of her husband, guess what? It could happen in front of her. Her time of rule is coming to an end quickly. She can't allow this to, to continue. Her God has just been made a fool. And now part of her her spirituality is gone. Her prophets are gone. And so she's on shaky ground. And so she sends this messenger out. Now, I don't know about you, but if the, the leader of the land says, I want you dead by this time tomorrow, and I'm sending everything I have after you, I, I can understand verse 3. Right? What does verse 3 say? It says, Elijah was afraid. Right? Pretty normal response. I, I, I can get that. I, I would be pretty shaken. Uh, that doesn't happen every day. And again, Elijah's gone from this super high to now his life is in jeopardy. Very much in jeopardy. And so he ran for his life. When he came to Bathsheba and Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that I, he might die. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. All right, a couple of things here. You can see the spiral, right? All right, he's afraid. And again, his response to that is now, that's it, I'm done. And so he's, he goes on the run. Again, he was just on the mountaintop. Now he's running out into the desert. Look at what he does, though. He, he goes a certain way to get to the desert, and then he leaves his servant. He leaves behind his company. He goes out by himself. All right? When you're discouraged or you're starting depression, do you want to be around people? I don't. I tend to isolate. I tend to, to, to walk away. I try to get, get alone, right? If I'm... I, I don't want to be around people. I'm not very good to be around with. I'm not very much fun. It's not the thing I want to do. So he gets alone first. He goes out into a desert. Now, this is a guy that, that's pretty savvy. He's lived in the wilderness. He knows how to survive. But does he bring anything with him? No. No provisions. That's kind of strange, right? You know, it's not the norm. He goes out 
out by himself. Again, from this point on, we don't hear what he's hearing from God yet either. God didn't tell him to go out in the desert. God didn't tell him to run. Most scholars believe that from this point on, Elijah stopped listening here at this point. He's thinking on his own. Again, another thing that we sometimes do, right? We, we get in that trap of, hey, I got this, or I know how to do this. I've been down this path before, and so I'm just going to spend some time alone with myself, and I'm just going to, yeah, self myself, get myself out of this eventually. Well, he gets alone. He take, no, takes no provision. He goes out and he prays that prayer that you don't want to hear any prophet pray. Lord, I've had enough. Just take me home. Just kill me. I'm done. Because I'm no better than my ancestors. Totally wiped out. Totally depleted. Totally done. Undone. Even though he's seen this great miracle and he's fired, they didn't change. He is discouraged. He is depressed. And so he goes out, and I don't know what a broom tree looks like. I'm told it has a lot of branches. It grows in that part during that time of year. Um, it's not real leafy, but it, it does provide some shade, some cover, kind of an ugly tree. I, I don't know. I know a lot of wood, but that's not one I know, so take it for what it's worth on that one. And so he goes out there, and he lays down, and he takes a nap. He goes to sleep. Again, he's given up. There's no energy left. He's not, there's no mission. There's no plan. He's just taking a nap. Probably hoping that he just goes to his death in his sleep. That's the plan. The verse picks up in 5. It says, all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then laid down again. God's not done with him yet. Right? His servant's given up. He's, he's told him, hey, I'm done. Kill me. No, God's not done with him yet. God sends him an angel and sends him with some food, if I'm reading that right. Anyone know what kind of cake that was? Swiss cake roll? Huh? Angel food cake. Yeah, bad dead joke. There you go. That one's free too. Thanks, Phil. I'm so glad you're here this morning, Phil. Thanks. Thank you. God provides for him. Now, does he get up and go back and get back in the battle? No. What does he do? He goes back to sleep. He just got a visit from an angel. Angel had told him to get up, right? Not just get up and eat. You, you, got, you got stuff to do. I'm not, I'm God's, hey, Elijah, I'm not done with you yet. But no, he's, he, he needs a help. And he goes back to sleep. Again, not working according to what God wants him to do. So, the angel of the Lord came back again, second time. Slow learner, right? Wakes him up again. I mean, Elijah's saying, hey, I just had a good cake, I'm, my belly's full, a good nap, and now you're pestering me at this point. No, 
not at all. Things are a little bit different this time. And again, the, the word in the Hebrew is a little bit different too. And again, I don't know how much you've studied this out. If you look at it a little bit, this angel of the Lord could have been, it's obviously a different angel than the first time. And whether it was a manifestation of Jesus or not, you can debate that and, and look that in yourself. Scholars go back and forth, but it is different. The wording is a little bit different, but the second angel is not the same as the first angel. God's got plenty of angels, so that doesn't, you know, makes no surprise in that. But usually when it says the Lord, the angel of the Lord, it has some significance to it. And you can research that out if you want and go a little bit deeper. But this angel has a message, a little bit more than just get up. He's got some instructions, right? And so this angel of the Lord says, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by the food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. Again, Minnesota mountains high up, right? It's a little distance. Interesting thing, and again, maybe you like facts, or I, I get some joy out of them, but the distance from where he was to that mountain was only, at best, a 14-day walk. The fact that it took him 40, it's kind of interesting. He had to be wandering around a little bit, right? And Elijah's, you know, you know he has some... He has some, some strength left. It's not like he, you know, he, he wasn't being wand, led by anything. He was wandering around a little bit. Although 40 is interesting too. That time of preparation. Time of testing. But either way, he gets to the mountain and then he gets into a cave. And there he's waiting to hear from the Lord. Don't miss this next passage. I, this next section is pretty interesting. It says, And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Interesting question, right? Well, the angel told me to, I have a long journey. And then God's asking, Well, why, why are you here? Why are you here? God wants to, to hear. I mean, God hasn't lost track of Elijah. He knows exactly where he is, but... He wants to hear the response. And again, most scholars believe at this point and for a long time now, Elijah's not, not really listening to God. Yes, he's hearing him, but he's not listening. Hopefully you catch what I mean by that. Verse 10 reveals a little bit more of where Elijah's still at. He says, he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant broken down your altars, put your prophets to death with a sword. I'm the only one left, and they are trying to kill me too. My Bible I have off the side, alone, right? You hear a lot of I statements. It becomes about another good sign of when someone's depressed or down, I, right? It becomes about or me, right? A lot of I, it, Nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. Right. It's an interesting thing that happens when you're down and depressed. You, you go off to be alone. You go off by yourself, right? But yet there's a part of you that, that gets upset when people don't come to you or, or seek you out. Maybe it only happens to me, but right? 
I expect someone else to, to notice that I'm hurting. I expect someone else to, to rescue me. Doesn't happen often. And we'll, sometimes, sometimes we're sensitive and we know that person well enough and we'll reach out. But again, at some point, we, we may not or we may fail them. There's a responsibility on the person that put themselves in that situation too to reach out. Elijah here is, is telling God, hey, look at all I've done. That's all I've done for you, Lord. And at the end, nothing's changed. All right? All I want to do is kill me. Um, I, I, I got a death sentence. You know, nothing's changed, Lord. I, I, I did as you told me, and nothing has changed as far as the nation. I was obedient. So he's pretty low. God's teaching Elijah a lesson here. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. A lot of similarities here, a lot, a lot of resemblance, right? Who else asked for the Lord to pass by them? Moses, yeah, right? So again, that, now, can, any, can anyone look at God directly? Human form, no, right? That's after we're gone, glorified bodies, we can't do that here on this. They understood that. God said, hey, I'm going to walk right by. I'm going to, I'm going to come by here in, in your presence. You're going to get a chance to see me. And so Elijah go, does what he's told. He goes out. Just then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountain, tore the mountains apart, and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. I've seen some pretty strong winds, but to, to rip through a mountain. And again, sometimes they get tunneled. All right, Minnesotans, I know it's tough, but when they get narrow, there's usually mountains on both sides, there's a valley, the wind through there. It can get pretty gusty. It can kind of funnel it in, and that's a lot. But to start breaking rock, a lot of noise, that's a lot of wind. It makes a lot of noise, I'm sure. Rocks popping. That, that wasn't God. After the wind, what comes next? What? Earthquake. Right? Earthquake. God's not in the earthquake either. Not in the wind, not in the earthquake. Well, those are, those are obvious. That should have been, that, that's it, right? The Nature is calling out. Nature is, is screaming. This, this has got to be gotten. No. So he's not in the earthquake. Well, then what comes after that? Fire. Right? Well, we saw God. We, we saw him use fire back on Mount Carmel. Yet fire and still not God. Again, God's teaching Elijah a lesson here. Those big things. And then, but after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled the cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Right? Small, still whisper. Great lessons here. There's a lot of application to this, but Main one, does God always have to say it directly and loudly and yell it and scream it? No. Sometimes it's just that little 
nudging inside, that Holy Spirit inside of us, that little nudge. So often it, it's, it is that still quiet thing that we, we hear, and that's when God's speaking to us. Or we see that little, that little connection, that little, oh, hey, that was a God moment. Oh, hey, God wants me to go talk to that person. I know, even know in my own life, quite often sometimes you'll say, hey, how did you know I was struggling today and you gave me a call? God, I don't. I have no idea. Just being honest, I, God will place you on my heart at times and I'll, hey, today's the day, I, or I'll send a message. And, and probably I miss more than I hit, I, I, most likely. But every once in a while, it was just the right time. And that's okay. But that's how he comes. He comes in that small quiet voice. The other thing, he's calling, he's reaching out to a guy who is down, depressed, rejected God, wants to die, and God is speaking to him directly right to him. He still is not done with Elijah. He's just spoken one-on-one -on -one with the God of the universe. <clears throat> Ask him a question. This may sound familiar. It says, the voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Obviously, his first answer wasn't right. If you ask the question again, you're looking for a different response, right? We used to do that with the kids quite often. We would, you know, we'd ask them, hey, did you do that? No, Dad, I didn't do that. All right, let's try this again. Did you, and we would fill in the blank, did you do it again? Because we already knew that they had. It's just a matter of, were they going to own up to it? Kind of the same thing here. Now, after all this, look at what Elijah's response is. I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Now, I don't know in your Bible, but if I look at 10 and 14, they look really similar, almost word for word. Same question, same answer. Now, what's transpired between these two? Had what? What's happened? We've had what? Wind? That's broken rocks. We've had an earthquake. We've had fire. God's whispered to him, and nothing's changed. Wow. He's really down. He's really depressed. He's done. He's had it. He's at a very low point. He's beyond discouraged. He's beyond depressed. I don't know what the next level is, if there is one, but he's down in that pit. Yet God is still not done with him. And I love this next part. <clears throat> Verse 15 says, The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel, king of over Arm, also anoint Jeju, son of Nimshid, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Saphat, from Abel, Melech, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazel, and Elisha 
will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. God says, I got a plan for you. In fact, I got some work for you to do. In fact, your answer was so wrong, it's just the opposite, right? He was alone, right? Right? No. Elijah, you're not alone. I got 7,000 people that need a leader. I also got your replacement in line. I got someone for you to disciple. That's Elisha. You got, some, you got work to do. You got a new king that needs to get in line. Things are not going, King Ahab and Jezebel are not going to rule forever. You got work to do. Get off the mountain and get back to the desert. Sorry. <coughs> Part of the application there is when you're down, you need to, someone else to, to pick you up. And, and sometimes only God can do that. And, and you need to remember your mission. You need to remember your purpose. I can't tell you why it's hit me. It's hard this morning. God is faithful. And he's not done with you. And he's got something for you to do. And it was true for Elijah and it's true for us. And I love, you know, the, how God has him, yes, he has to go do these things for the next kingdom and for the, the nation of Israel, but he also cared about Elijah. He says, I got stuff for you to do. And he gives him someone to mentor. And so in verse 19, we see, so Elijah went from there, and he found Elisha, son of Saphat. He was plowing with 12 oak, yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him, threw his cloak around him. All right? Here's your replacement, but he's a newbie. He needs help. He's a plow boy. In fact, it's, it's even interesting. He's out on the 12th oxen. 
how they were plowing, they, you know, each person would be, and so the 12th one's the last one, and they're kind of lagging behind when they would go around, and so the, you can't plow if you lose one, two, any of those other ones, because it messes everyone else up, but the 12th one is not as important. They're kind of the last swaths coming through. Not the most likely one. God doesn't always pick the first, right? But he picks the most logical one in his system. And so he picks the 12th one. Obviously, that number 12 has meaning here, right? Right. And so he throws his cloak. And again, the cloak was a sign of, hey, it's a mantle. It's, it's being passed on to you. This someday is going to be yours. You're going to be the, the next in line. I love Elisha's response here. Elisha knows what's happening in some ways. And again, it's, uh, it's interesting. He says, Elisha, Elisha then left his ox, ran after Elijah. Let me, kiss, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied, what I have done to you. So Elisha left the quit back. He took his yoke of ox, slaughtered them, and burned the plow equipment and cooked the meat and gave it to the people. And they ate. And then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. The rest of the story goes on. and <clears throat> There's a lot more um, to, to be had there, but again, I want to focus on the the ups and downs of Elijah here. And, and so the story concludes that Elijah starts to wane and Elisha starts to come along and they still have a few miracles left to go and stuff. And like I said, God's not quite done with Elijah yet. But if you're in that spot this morning of struggling or not sure or discouraged, I just ask and pray that you would take a moment to, to think, what's my purpose? Right? My purpose. My focus. It's a new year. God's faithful. God cares. God's got a plan for you. And I, I don't want to make light of it, but if for nothing else, to bring up the next generation. Right? We all know those scriptures, right? Older men, younger men, older women, younger women. We just went through it not too long ago in Titus, right? We're all to be bringing along the next generation. We're all to be teaching. Wherever we're at, coming alongside someone. Maybe it is ministering to hundreds, to thousands. I can guarantee you didn't get around to all 7,000 in a day. I'm sure it took a while. And again, as we know the story, right? Elisha becomes even greater. He does even greater things. He asks for that. And Elijah does get to go home. And he becomes one of the, the favored prophets in the Old Testament, especially among the, the Jews, Jewish believers. Because he remained faithful. Even though he had his ups and his downs, he still remained faithful. God used him even when he wanted to quit. So I'd also ask that you would, not only with that purposing, but persevere. 
if you're already doing those, persevere. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep going. God is not done with you yet. Bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning, we ask that you continue to seek after us. Continue to use us. Continue to guide us. Continue to direct us. Lord, we are so thankful that you did not give up on us and that you sent your Son to save us. Lord, if we're struggling to know what our purpose is or what the next step is, Lord, give us that clear, still, quiet voice. Let us know in our heart. Lord, I thank you for our time this morning. I thank you for each and every person here. And Lord, as we come to your table, may you just continue to bless us. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Someone could go out and let the, the kids know. And also, um, past a couple of our more mature men this morning, uh, Ralph and Steve, if they would come and help serve communion this morning. I'm going to still stay a little further away from the communion table. Uh, still a mess. Far as that goes, as many of you know, uh, here at Point Way, um, we have an open communion table. Um, by that, I, I mean that we have a. It's open to all who are believers. It's not a members-only thing. It's open to all those who believe. But we do take it very seriously, and again, it's something that we practice here. Uh, at Point Way, and because it is serious and because it is something that we uh, do as a family, we do it together, but scriptures give, us, scriptures give us a warning. It says, therefore, whoever eats of the bread or drink from the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. It says, a man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread or drinks from the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body and the blood of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. And so what we like to do here at Point Way, and it's not changing, just bow your head, close your eyes wherever you're at. Just between you and the Lord, just uh, take a moment to recognize the Lord and what we're about to do. I'm going to ask Steve if he'll give thanks for the cup and the bread that we're about to receive.
all can do it together. Scripture says, For I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this, and whenever you drink it, remember me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. A reminder is always there with communion that there are still cups left, there are still seats empty here at Pointway, and so it's a good reminder for us that our members and believers in Christ, that we need to continue to reach out and that there are other people that should be here this morning. And so make that our mission as we go from here today, that we take time to do that. We make it a priority, especially if God lays someone on your heart. Seek after them. Thank you.